What's up, everyone? Hope everything this week has gone well for you, not only in your work life, but also your personal life as well. I just got a new microphone, and this is the first episode using it, so I hope the sound quality is better and that there's less echoing. I used to record just off my phone, and I didn't like the way it sounded, so I bought a new microphone, and I'm testing it out. If it isn't better, then I'll just have to look for better microphones. Uh, But I want to improve this podcast as much as possible, not only with just the sound quality, but also the interactions and everything like on Instagram. Uh, You can go to Instagram at EMT underscore life underscore podcasts. And I like to interact with people there. It's a lot of fun for me. So last week on Tuesday, I'm pretty sure we had the busiest work day of my life. I picked up some overtime, so I work during the day, and I usually don't do that. Uh, So it's a little different. It's always different. Kind of get my tan back on because I never see the sunlight. But uh, the sheriff's office uh, had pulled somebody over in a gas station parking lot, and when they went up to the window, uh, the guy took off. He knocked one of the deputies over, and they had... Uh, drawn their weapons and shot him. Uh, He then continued to flee the scene and he caused a motorcycle wreck and then hit a tree and ran where he was later captured in a neighborhood. The suspect was later found, had a gunshot wound through and through uh, to his head. And as far as I know, he's still alive. The motorcycle wreck that he caused, the rider of the motorcycle had three quarters of one of his legs already amputated on scene. Uh, I was talking to the crews who responded to that. They had tied three tourniquets on his leg. It was still bleeding. When the helicopter landed, they put a fourth on, and that finally... uh, stopped the bleeding, and they flew him to a trauma hospital. The suspect who was shot was grounded to a trauma hospital, lights and sirens. So we had that going on, and while that was going on, we also had two more uh, MVAs, motor vehicle accidents. So I was dispatched to one of those. The one I was dispatched to was a three-car accident, two of which had collided head-on. Uh, the other was a T-bone accident in an intersection. And we also had a stroke alert going on. So we were trying to get a, another helicopter for that as well in the county. So just radio traffic was a complete mess. Uh, we have separate, we call them EMS channels. So EMS TAC channels for, for situations like this. And all four of those were still... Uh, you know, used up, and we still had radio traffic going on on the main channel, which we usually don't like to do. But when everything's being used, you just have to do what you got to do. So after that, uh, I had a pediatric call for a child who was having a seizure. 
it first coded out alpha level. And like I've explained before, alpha is our lowest non-emergent call that we can get. It later then uh, coded out as a delta level seizure with breathing problems because they called in saying that he started gargling. We get there and the kid is unconscious. So automatically you think the worst. He was breathing. Um, he was about four years old and, you know, just pediatric calls are some of the worst ones you can deal with because it's just, it's a little kid, you know, and it kind of brings it home to you. But, uh, he was, he was breathing. We put a C collar on him because, uh, the parents said that he was playing with a toy car. He tried to stand on it, slipped, fell, hit his head, and that's what caused the seizure. So our hospitals, like I've said before, really don't deal with pediatric patients. So we called a trauma alert um, and asked for air support. Air support was only 19 minutes away, so we accepted it. If it was going to be any longer because we had used helicopters earlier in the day, um, we didn't know where they were coming from. So if it was going to be longer than 20 minutes, I was just going to ground them out of county, uh, code two. But they were 19 minutes away, so we met them at the local airport for our landing zone and uh, flew him out to a pediatric hospital so he could get the the necessary care. Uh, he had a few seizures while he was in the back of the ambulance. Uh, he had one when the flight crew was there putting their uh, equipment on him, so it was it was pretty serious. But aside from all that, Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, professionalism in the workplace. Uh, something recently had come up that I didn't feel was right, and it started some shit in the company, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. Uh, but you know the drill. As always, we're going to do a quick message from our sponsor, and then I'll tell you what I think about uh, what should be considered professional in the workplace. So, like I said, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, workplace professionalism. And it's kind of a big deal because it not only involves your coworkers, but it also involves your patients, the patient's family, bystanders, and your appearance, how you look. So, we're going to talk about personal appearance first because I think that plays a huge role in being professional. We're all human, and we all form opinions on people as soon as we look at them. Even before a word comes out of their mouth, you form an opinion about that person. The patient has formed an opinion about you by your appearance. And the company I work for has a policy that says, if you want to, you can grow and keep facial hair. Now, that's what the company has decided to do. I don't agree with it. Uh, personally, I shave every shift. Yes, it sucks. I hate shaving. But to me, someone who is clean-shaven is more professional. Now, if you decide you want facial hair, by all means, grow your facial hair. If your company or department allows you to do it, go ahead, do it. But trim it. Make it look nice. Have a little bit of pride in the way you look. There's a lot of people I work with who 
grow it just so they don't have to shave and they don't keep it trimmed. They don't keep it clean and it kind of just doesn't look good. You don't want to be walking into piece, people's house, you know, looking like, like Sasquatch over here. To go along with that, you also have to keep your uniform looking nice. You have to have your shirt tucked in, not wrinkled, belt on. At work, we wear just polo shirts. I wish they were class Bs. They, again, would look a little more professional. But the polos are nice because in Florida, especially during the summer, it gets hot, it gets humid. So the polos do keep you a little more cool. But your pants should be pressed. You should have nice creases down the center. Uh, Your boots should be polished. There is a policy in our uh, employee handbook that says you're supposed to polish your boots. And I think I'm the only person who polishes my boots in this company. It's just an integrity thing. You know, if they don't want to do it, that's fine. But on me, I'm going to do everything by the book just so if something does happen, they can't say I didn't do it. But these these are the things that need to happen in order for people to trust first responders. You know, that doesn't just go for EMS, but fire, uh, police, sheriff's office. You know, it's just you have to look good and people base opinions on the way you look it's it's also like washing the ambulance are you going to trust someone who pulls up to your house driving an ambulance that has mud just thrown all over the side of it or you're going to trust the crew that pulls up in an ambulance that's been washed inside and out you know if the rims are shiny the tires are tires are shiny the dirt's off the ambulance uh we have white ambulances so when they get dirty, you can really see it. And we have we have to clean them every shift. Uh, again, our policy says that we have to wash the ambulance every shift. So a 12-hour shift, uh, I have to wash it, and then the oncoming shift has to wash it. So twice a day, the ambulance is supposed to be washed. Again, does that happen? No, not all the time. Either people don't want to do it, or you do get too busy. Um That's just, it happens. You get sometimes super busy in this job. But the same thing goes, you know, for uniform, like I said. Are you going to trust someone who has wrinkled shirt and wrinkled pants with scuffed up boots? Or are you going to trust someone who has taken the time to iron their shirt and pants and shine their shoes and just make themselves look nice? You know, they're small and tedious things for us to do. But ultimately, they make a huge impact on the impression that the patient or their family forms about you. So, like I said, we had some something come up at work, and it was one of our paramedics who had just recently come off an injury and is now back on the road. He also happens to be our union president. He decided to create a little patch. Uh... And he says it's to boost company morale. Okay, that's what he claims. So, in my opinion, the the patch is kind of a dick move from him. It's it's like a punch in the gut to the company, basically. Because it has the same colors 
in the same pattern as what's on our ambulances. And on the patch, it says Operation Enduring Clusterfuck. And I'll put a picture of the patch up on my Instagram at EMT underscore life underscore podcasts. Go ahead, check that out uh, so you can see what the patch looks like. But he creates the patch and starts handing them out to everyone except the supervisors and everybody that works in administration. But you know how EMS is. Nothing stays secret for long. And eventually the management side found out and they weren't too happy about it. And in my opinion, rightfully so. Uh, So when he handed me the patch, naturally he wanted to see what I thought about it. And what I told him is, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I do think it's funny, but I also think, I also think it's mildly inappropriate. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that this is aimed directly at the company. And he's our union president and he used the union money to create these patches. He can claim all he wants that it was to boost morale and, you know, but I think it's just a personal attack on the company by him. So in my opinion, why not use that union money to buy food for the crews? You know, I personally would have been much happier receiving food, especially on like a busy shift than I was to get handed this patch. Food is a, a huge morale booster, you know, because like I said, sometimes when your shift is busy, you don't have time to eat. So when you get the chance to eat, you're usually much happier. And believe me, being hangry is a thing. You know, if if you're hungry and you have to keep going on calls, generally your, your uh, patience is going to decline and you're liable to lash out at patients. But, you know, every company in the world, you know, is going to have its bad times and its rough times. But he created like a hostile work environment because now you've got supervisors who are looking at you to basically mess up so, so they can do something about it. But, you know, to to create something and to shove it in their faces, that's that's not how you, you cope with the hard times, and that's not how you boost morale because, I, to be honest with you, I really didn't want to take the patch because now I have one, and it looks like I'm agreeing with what he's saying about the company when I really don't. And part of that, I'll, I'll tell you right now, is why I dislike unions. I feel that unions protect the wrong people because he didn't get in trouble for this at all. He he didn't get a write-up. He didn't get a verbal warning. There was no talking to, you know, there wasn't, there was nothing. You can't, you can go to any other company that doesn't have a union and he would have been fired on the spot for creating this patch. He He just didn't handle the situation he was put in professionally. Like, I understand you've been out of work for a while and 
you know, you come back and things are a little rough, but you can't just shove it back in the company's face. You can't take your frustration out during work. Like when you get a call and when your shift is supposed to be over, you can't get nasty with the dispatcher on the radio because the dispatcher is just doing their job and sending the closest available unit. Just like you're supposed to be doing your job by running calls. Does it suck? Yes, absolutely. Getting a late call sucks. But like I said, it's your job to run calls. This is what you signed up to do. This is what you get paid to do. EMS is a 24-7 operation, and we don't choose when people call 911. We don't choose when the dispatcher dispatches us. It's like when you get woken up in the middle of the night by the station tones. Yes, you might be tired, but don't get up and complain that you have to go around a call because that's what you signed up to do. You know, you have to be professional about it. You don't don't get an attitude with the dispatcher because, you know, let's be real, who's going to get you help if you if you need it? The dispatcher. In my time working in EMS so far, I have learned that there's Two groups of people you should never piss off. And those two groups are the dispatchers and the mechanics. Because given the opportunity, those two will make your life miserable if you piss them off. The dispatchers will make your shift just unbearable. The mechanics will keep you in a reserve truck longer than you need to be just so they can prove a point. You know, if you act professional in this job, you will have a good and long career and people will like working with you. You also might make a few friends along the way and it could be fun. You know, I don't, every job I've worked, I I haven't worked to make friends. I've worked the job to make money uh, and it if friends come along the way, that's great. You know, like the the paramedics I work with, I spend 12 hours in a truck with them less than an arm's length away. You get to know these people. And if they don't like you, let me tell you, that shift is a long shift and you don't, you won't talk to anybody. And it, you know, everyone has worked with some someone who, who's a Debbie Downer and negative all the time. And like I said, that that shift just goes by so slow. But if you're positive, professional, and respectful, your your shifts go by faster, you have fun at work, and it's just a more positive environment. But you know, that's just a little bit little bit of advice for me. Like I said, you can Hit me up on Instagram at emt underscore life underscore podcasts. Uh, you can see the patch. I'll post a picture of it up there. And, you know, let me think, let me know what you think about workplace professionalism and how you deal with someone who's who's not professional. But like always, thanks for tuning in this week. Take care and God bless.